and we thank you for understanding, clarity, faith, power. Everything that we need is in your word. So, Father, we incline our ear to listen. Not just listen, Father, but to write what we hear so that it can leave an impression in us, Lord, that is indelible. Thank you, Lord, for your holy word, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So, um Today we're going to talk, I thought we'd talk about why we pray. Amen. Why we pray. I know it seems redundant and not very deep and profound, but I think it's good to examine sometimes simple things and uh, and understand the truth of it. I think it will encourage us to pray more diligently. Um, and I think it'll take us to take prayer, uh, more seriously. Not that you don't, but, uh, you know, there are times when you just need to refresh your commitment to God, refresh your understanding of what you're doing. I know most people who are still here feel called to this ministry. And, and I'm thinking that that's great. But then the call will wane from time to time. You don't feel as enthusiastic. You don't feel as energized. You don't feel as, you know, whatever. Uh, the enemy will attack your zeal. And so um, we just need to always refresh ourselves in understanding. Uh, you know, even in the military, when you're committed, your commission runs out after a period of time. You have to re-up or whatever they call it, you know, re-enlist. And uh, they give you a time to sit back and re Reflect and, uh, you know, am I really called to do this? Do I really want to continue this? And so forth and so on. And I think it happens to us in every endeavor in life. Uh, you know, some things are more solid than that, I believe, by God's design. Uh, I think family relationships are, are on a different level. You know, you don't reconsider and re-up unless you were never really knit together the way God wanted you to be knit together. You know what I'm saying? Like people that contemplate divorce, it's because you've never really committed it to the Lord and understood that there is a difference between a covenant and a want to temporarily. Uh, marriage is not a temporary want to. So when God gets involved in something, he's obligated to help you keep that relationship together. And I think once you make a vow and you understand what you've done, the 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 re- reflection and reevaluation and whether you want to continue ends. It ends with that vow. Well, some of you understand English. I don't know what's wrong with the rest of you, but you understand what I'm saying? Some things are never reconsidered because the power to do that is taken away from you by God's oath. So if you decide you want to divorce somebody and you're under oath before God, you're going to have a hard time convincing yourself it's the right thing to do, okay? Now you can think about it all you want to, but you, God says what he joins together, you can't do it. It says let not man, but it, it also says man is not able to do it. Amen. So you're going to get bugged about it. You keep reconsidering. Same thing with a call to ministry. I don't need, see how these people can just quit, you know, quit a, a faith or quit a church or quit a body of believers because God will bug you about it. Now, if you want to run off and be tormented for the rest of your life, help yourself. But you want to submerge yourself in alcohol, drugs, or something to get away from the conviction of God and things. 
And when God tells you you're committed to something, he really means that. And he'll teach you what commitment is and he'll give you the power to hold it together. You're not expected to hold these things together by yourself. You to rely on him for the power and the power to do it right. So understand what we have here. But when you're called to pray, uh, you are under oath before God to undertake that calling. And so many people, unfortunately, think everything is an option in life. They think, uh, if, well, I'll do this, but if so-and-so, there's an always if-but clause in there. And if there's not that way in the things of God. So why do we pray? You need to know that prayer is not merely a Christian tradition, nor it is a religious tradition. So prayer is not merely a tradition. It is not merely a formality of something you go through the steps of in order to attain something. It's not a formality. But prayer is interacting with the God of heaven for a purpose and for a reason. So number one, prayer has purpose and there is a reason to pray. So really... The act of prayer becomes something beyond human control. If there's purpose and there's reason, then somebody must have fought those two things up. And it wasn't us. Amen. If it were merely a tradition, it would be something that started with man. But it's not. The fact that there's purpose and there's reason behind it means that we didn't start it. We can't end it. And we can't define its purpose, scope, and meaning. Prayer, you need to know, it's a requirement for success on earth. And when we say success, we mean no failure. If you want a life of no failure... You must be a person of prayer. So it is a requirement for success. That's why many times when you see people uh, who don't have a consistent prayer life or maybe even a church life, they don't attend church regularly or they're not really committed, you see them go okay for a while and then they start to falter and then they fail because they do not fulfill the requirement for success. So prayer is a requirement for success here on earth. So I did list some items here. I have them numbered so you can number yours and look them up too. Number one, prayer is accountability before God for the resources he has given us. It's accountability before God for the resources he has given us. Now these resources include spiritual resources 
and material resources. Many times people are okay with God in the spiritual realm but don't get involved in the natural. They want to have strict control over their possessions, finances, relationships. So prayer really encompasses all areas of your life. You don't separate out spiritual only because the spirit does control the natural realm. Spirit realm is superior to the natural realm. So prayer hold us, holds us accountable before God for the resources he has given us. Uh, <clears throat> some examples can be your gifts and talents. How do you know how to use them? How do you know what you have? How do you know your abilities? Unless God opens the door through prayer and seeking him for what you really possess on the inside of you. You got me? For instance, if, if you say, say you, say, okay, brother E, you pray, play an instrument, you play a musical. When did you start? What age were you? No, just period, when you showed, showed an interest. High school. Amen. So something must have occurred to awaken you to the fact that that was a possibility for you. Because not everybody does it. In fact, I think in this room you're the only, well, Mr. Gary, playing the piano. But pretty much, you have to be awakened to these things to know that they're for you. I mean, so everybody sees themselves like when you see a, a guitar player on television or something, you see yourself doing that in your imagination. But how many people actually do it, carry it through, etc.? So somehow God has to awaken you. And I'm not saying you have to know God. There are many people who are awakened at least to an interest, a talent, or an ability. What makes for success is a prayer. Look at all the uh, musicians in the secular world who are no longer with us because of the lack of success factor. They either overdosed on drugs. They, you know, were murdered somehow. They, you know, met an unfortunate uh, early end to their life. And they had gifts, talents, abilities, discipline. I think probably Michael Jackson was the most disciplined uh, entertainer. Most people point to him as like the king of pop, whatever they called him. But he couldn't handle the emotional stress that came with the success that he had. See what I'm saying? And so <clears throat> prayer becomes a missing factor. Do you contact God on a continual basis to find out? How to manage your gift, how to manage your talent, how to manage your life. And many, many people don't. And so prayer becomes essential for success. Nobody wants to fail. But many people will start out with without any contact with God and consider themselves to be successful until they run into problems. And that's when, but then even even sometimes people will contact God and they don't want to really let him have full control over things. It's limited contact. 
When I'm in trouble, I call. When I get down, I call. When I do this, I call. But they, you see, you see a lot of, uh, entertainers will even pray in their dressing rooms backstage before every performance. They at least acknowledge God. But if they don't let him have full control, they're going to run into a brick wall somewhere. You understand what I'm saying? Now, and I think God honors that prayer and I think he honors the respect that they have for him in the degree that they know him. But there's always a degree of greater success that you could have to know him better. You understand what I'm saying? So that success factor has to have God built into it and prayer is what you need to institute that life of success down here on earth. So it becomes accountability to God for the resources he has given us. Your family is a resource, a source of joy and a source of enjoyment in your life. Prayer helps you to be accountable to God for how you treat them. Are things going well? Are there problems there? Anybody not saved yet? All of those things, prayer, you pray because God will help you to be accountable to what he's holding you responsible for down here. See, when you're given spiritual resources, God has to be in charge of how you distribute those. And how you use them. And how you minister out of them. So we have no knowledge of how to minister out of spiritual things. So that accountability must come through a relationship with God in prayer. So the material and the spiritual have to be accounted for. And prayer is the vehicle through which you account for all of the resources that God has given you. Number two, prayer is pleasing God and it obeys a mandate. Amen. Prayer is pleasing God. Now, how is that? The Bible says without faith is impossible to please him. So when we talk about prayer, we're talking about exercising your faith in God's word. So. This is the way that you please God, through the exercise of your faith. When you pray, you show God your faith. And so prayer is essential to please God. Not just a confession. Not just saying, see, secular people have picked that up. Having a good confession, saying the right things. They've even taken it as far as to make it politically correct. Where they penalize each other for not saying certain things. Amen. Now if you don't believe that, you watch. You watch how liberal people interact with one another. And they'll hear you start saying something critical. Like if I were to talk to somebody and say, well yeah, I'm praying for the homosexual to come out of homosexual. Oh, you can't say that. That's hate speech. And so the world has taken the power of the confession and perverted it to keep us from speaking the word of God. So they'll take your own tools and revelation that God has given you and use it against you. And so we have to be careful as believers how we handle our spoken word 
And you don't have to get in strife with people, but you don't dare let the devil have the last word. Amen? You don't cower down to the political correctness because then that word has the power to manifest in your life. So where you pray to win the war of words. Amen? You pray to win this war because the enemy is constantly warring against us for the final word. He wants to have the last word down here on earth. Amen. And when you serve God, you've got to pray so that you always have the last word. So Luke 18 verse 1. He spoke a parable to them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint or not to lose heart. So prayer from the day you're saved to the day you live the earth must be made. You can never faint. You can never give up. You can never get too weak or discouraged in your prayer life. Never lose heart. Never never give up on what you're praying for. And I think if you speak that word often enough, you won't give up. It will stay active in your heart. So we pray to please God. And to obey a mandate to always pray and not give up. Always pray and not lose heart. In other words, I don't care what it is, how bad it is going on in the earth. There's always a prayer to pray. There's always a prayer that you can pray that will remedy the situation. If not immediately, then sooner. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But, but we don't, we don't, it's not our job to keep up with when it manifests. We just gotta believe it, it's happening as we speak. Amen. Give it as much faith as you have. So prayer is pleasing God and it obeys a mandate. This is a must. So prayer is not an option. It's not. You can't, you can't ever say, well, I used to pray and I don't anymore. Now, I've met people that, that, I remember when I was in uh, Women's Aglow Fellowship, I ran into many women who were good, good church women and, and stable in their churches, been going to church forever, even raised their children in the church. And when I would ask them, I said, well, you know, we need people to work in this ministry and we want to, oh, no, I did that when my kids were young. I did children's church. I did this. I said, well, this really is a um, a prayer ministry where we're, we have other things that we do. It's not just a meeting. We have weekly prayer. Mm, I'll see. But, you know, I, I had my time doing really what I'm doing now. I got a job and I got this and I, you know, and they would just go off into the world and work and forget what you know so my thinking was God they either never heard the call or they weren't really involved (laughs) they weren't really involved in anything other than just what it took to get by you know you do children's church because you want your kids to be taken care of while you enjoy the service you know so you take your turn in there and everything's a tradition or it's a turn or it'll be over soon or wait till my kids get bigger I won't have to sit in here and put them in here they can sit in the sanctuary and behave and you know everything's like something just to go through but prayer is not that when you have a mandate from God to do what you do 
It is a must do. It's not something you do for a certain season in your life, waiting for that time in your life to be over so you can go do what you want to do. You understand what I'm saying? But you got to understand now, this is 90. See, you guys, we're kind of sheltered. Because we don't have to deal with all that nonsense. But there are so many people out here in the average church that takes these things so lightly. You know, number one, the leadership takes it lightly. Leadership thinks they can get on television, get a big crowd, and that's really all you need. And you can see what happens to many of them. Um, they get convinced that what they're doing is not necessary for them and they quit. That Joshua Harris that wrote, I kissed dating goodbye. I was shocked to hear he quit his ministry, divorced his wife, renounced what he wrote. That helped so many believers to stay celibate till they got married. But see, too much explaining what God told you to do. That's a downfall. Too much striving with people who striving with critics. You don't listen to critics. Anybody who's successful and still standing after 50 years of ministry will tell you, don't listen to your critics. Because they're there sent by the devil to tear you down. They're not there to build you up. If you ever doubt something that you're doing is valid, just ask God to help you get an under God. Is this, am I doing right? Am I doing wrong? And he will come through a trusted source or somebody who he has ordained to speak into your life and speak to you. He's not going to have people yip, 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 yipping at your heels all the time and sending you hate mail and all that kind of stuff to tear you down. And so it's immaturity that a lot of them don't have experience. You ask some of the ones that stood for years. Yes, Brother Summerall. You know, these people, they, they used to have a lot of the young ministers. He'd sit and answer their questions. Most of them were scared to raise their hands, but the ones that did got their face bitten off if they didn't ask something that God wanted them to know, you know, and he said, uh, Oh, Brother Summerall, you know, you go all over the world. What do you do about jet lag? He said, I shot him years ago. You understand what I'm saying? They're worried about how to get sleep when they should be worried about how to get there. You understand what I'm saying? Sleep will take care of itself once you get there or not sleep. You understand what I'm, that's not the issue. What do you do about that? He said, I shot him years ago and he never cracked a smile. So the guy just shrunk right back down into his chair and never got back up again. You understand what I'm saying? When you're wild wisdom, don't ask foolish questions. That's my take on that, you know. But you don't, but he was another one that says, I don't listen to my critics. I don't listen to them. A critic is somebody who comes with negative information for you. And God don't send stuff like that. Now if you're a faithful servant, he'd send you faithful people. Come on now. Like attracts like. Don't don't get caught up in nonsense. But that's the best way the enemy has of stealing what we need from God is through criticism. Because he's hoping we'll be insecure enough to listen to it. Hmm? 
I remember years ago there was a girl in the ministry. She just always liked to read other people's. Oh, let me read you this prophecy, and she read two words. I said, "No, I don't want to hear the rest of it." Well, what do you mean? You think you? T-? I said, "No, I know it's not from God." Well, how do you know? I said, "Cause I know." I said, "I'm trying to teach you to know." Go digging through somebody's garbage can from for information from your father most foolish thing you go to rec he's your dad you go to him he'll speak directly to you we need to sift through somebody's garbage prophecy trying to make peace together something that sounds good to you is that stupid or what it's either for you or not if it's not god it's not god and it never will be god so number two prayer is pleasing to god and it's a mandate so we said that we ought always to pray and not faint that came straight from the lips of Jesus. Luke 18.1 Number three, prayer allows God to participate in the affairs of earth. It allows God and invites God to participate in the affairs of earth. We need to understand that God gave man dominion, which means that he gave it over to us. Then through Jesus, he won it back for the kingdom. Amen. Now we've had dominion, but before Christ, we couldn't exercise it the way God wanted us to. So we were fraught with failure. Well, you know, the devil it has a lease on the earth, a man through the fall. So we've had like a a a, a slave, a, a master slave relationship to the kingdom of darkness. When Jesus came, he set us free from darkness. Now we can rule and reign with him in light. And so God wants us to invite him into the affairs of life through prayer. He doesn't get in any other kind of way. Because we still have dominion. Once God does something, he doesn't take it back. But he modifies it. So it had to be modified, amen, through the fall. How did God modify our dominion? He put a curse on it. So that everything we said didn't come to pass right away. Good for us, huh? Because all we talked about was selfish things, wicked things, bad things before Christ. After Christ, now we can read the word, start understanding that we can use our mouths to speak blessings instead of curses. Amen. And so God, through speaking God's word, we invite him into the affairs of earth to rule, to reign, to have dominion. We have dominion with him through our words and through our faith. Amen. It's really his faith that we're using. It's his righteousness that we have. So he gets into the affairs of men through the new birth and the new covenant. So prayer allows God to participate in the affairs of earth and invites him in, invites his power in. That's why when you pray, you can't really predict the outcome. 
You know God's going to move. You know how you prayed. You know what word you prayed. But you have no clue how it's going to manifest. No clue. So that makes us co co-laborers with Christ we're not in charge dominion amen we're co-laborers we were never in charge dominion we were in charge but under God always amen so don't get it don't get it screwed up you know sometimes faith people get all excited and think they can do this and do that and it's just not true folks it's just you know it's always in agreement with God it's always in alignment with the plan of God it's always up to God amen so God wants to to allow us to be able to do all of these things but through him so prayer does that he has to have the faith of some human being involved in this in order for it to bless the earth he just can't come down and start doing things on his own it would violate his own oath and and covenant so he has to have some human beings faith and will involved in it it's got to happen and don't be nervous because he knows how to get people to agree with him you understand me he does it through covenant he finds his covenant people and then he begins to stir them. He begins to speak to them just like he did to all of them throughout the Bible history. So he knows how to locate. Bible says he, his eyes run to and fro upon the earth looking for what? Somebody show himself strong on their behalf. Amen. So he's looking for people who will pray. He's looking for people who will invest their, their efforts in the kingdom. Prayer is to obey a command of God. Amen. God commands that we pray. Amen. It says pray without ceasing. That's not an, uh, in a suggestion. It's a command. It says do this. Pray without ceasing. In other words, pray without giving up. Pray without abandoning what you prayed for. If you abandon it, God will just give it to somebody else to pray. I got news for you. Amen. So you won't get the benefit of it if you abandon it. Amen. You want to get the benefit of what you do. It doesn't cost you any to continue to pray the same prayers over again and continue to bless the same people over again. You got me? cost you nothing you're not in charge of when it comes to pass once you can understand that you're fine you know you can do anything god wants you to do if you understand your job is merely to keep yourself in position where he can hear you amen that's that's your job and to continue to pray so it is a command of god that we pray amen prayer provides a way back to god when we stray Amen. So your way to please him is prayer. If you cease doing what he expects you to do, your way back is prayer. It's the same avenue. It makes it simple, you know. You don't have to think of anything new to do to renew your covenant with God or to make sure that your covenant's in force. Second Chronicles 7.14 tells us that. If you, the book of Nehemiah chapter 1 tells you the same thing. 
They saw the gates of the city of Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed. All of that destruction and looked at it. And they recall that God says if there in, in the same thing in famine, if there's no fruit on the vine, if there's drought, if there's anything that it, other than blessing happen in your life, what does he say? Pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And it doesn't mean you got to find a bunch of people. It means you do it. Amen. You humble yourself and you pray. Amen. In in uh, Nehemiah's time, we saw one man prayed. He found some more people who were willing to pray with him. Second Chronicles, it was a nation that prayed, laid, led by the king. Amen. And so we have to understand that this uh, mandate to pray in order to restore what God has for us is essential. You can leave that open, Miss Wana. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. And so um, when when we understand that, then we will understand that it does not take a whole army of people to affect change. It could be just you. So if you will stay faithful to the mandate to pray, at least God has one person he can use. Amen. And you don't know it might come down to that. So... <clears throat> Because we see the um, the uh, attack against the church and against Christianity is ever, ever increasing. Amen. Uh, you'll see that uh, I was reading a book. I was listening. I, was, I think, uh, yeah, Mr. Gary and I listened to this gentleman. His name is David Horowitz. He's written a lot of material. Uh, he's a Jewish gentleman. But he's written a book about the, the uh, left... Uh, liberals and left-wing political powers in this country that are trying to kill the Christian church. And he's a Jewish man and God has enlightened his understanding about Christianity and he, he espouses that this nation was founded. He said, do you realize 94% of the people who founded this nation were Protestant Christians? He said, not Catholic, but Protestant. So he studied the, the Christian faith enough to understand the correlation between our current form of government and the way it was. He said, and really the attacks against our government are against Christianity. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's why I tell you guys to stay alert and stay, don't go to sleep and think, oh, there's nothing's changed here. Is it? We're not under attack. Yes, we are. And God started warning us with our study of the persecuted church. And he kind of eased us into it by having us pray for other nations first so that he could have some, we could have some seeds sown already. For faith against it, but you can't say it'll just stop at an ocean or stop at a foreign country. It's here already. The seeds are already here. Amen. And so we have to be very, very careful what we embrace, how we embrace it, and always embrace it with a knowledge that we are under attack from great spiritual forces why do you think god put somebody in the white house who has people there praying all the time now come on this is no accident 
People say, well, we've been praying for Christians in the White House, but I don't know about Trump. Well, I know one thing. You can't find people who aren't going down there to pray or who told not to pray when they're down there. There are people and they're praying constantly, and they are free to pray in the White House. It's never been done. And we've had so-called Christian um, uh, presidents forever. They all claim to be Christians. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is different. It's different. And you gotta understand there's a difference because God is doing something. So be careful to stay on God's side of things. You don't have to say anything politically, but you gotta know what spiritual side to be on. And so God wants His people to align with Him all the time. Amen. So God, prayer allows God to participate in the affairs of the earth we have said that we also obeys a command of god and provides a way back to god when we stray even as or either as individuals or as a nation now as a nation we have done great harm and damage to god's covenant his covenant of life has been broken up so badly it, we we can't even hardly talk about it in the abortion uh situation uh, that the movie Unplanned is a story about a girl that was a Christian and was working for Planned Parenthood and didn't know what they were doing in the back room until she was forced to observe a, an abortion and saw that baby's body moving and fighting it and, and it was being ripped into many pieces. That's what they do. It's not, abortion's not just a word, it's murder. And it's not a tag we put on it. They actually pull a baby apart limb by limb. Then they have to count and weigh all of those parts when that that thing is over. And she finally saw what she was doing. Because the devil had her blinded before then. And she made a vow to God. The people who would protest outside of the gate of her abortion clinic, she ran to them when she saw what she saw. And they embraced her, they loved her, they prayed for her. First they were scared of her. They said, we've been praying for you to show up in here, but nobody ever thought you would. You understand what I'm saying? And so from that, she, God began to heal her and help her. In fact, she recently became a mother again for about the third or fourth, but she had gotten two abortions herself prior to that. So, and she's in church, folks. See, she goes to church. Like many of she said, yeah, one of our Catholic uh, girls that worked there, she goes to Catholic church, and they all went to church. So don't tell me this stuff isn't real, that there aren't Christians who are over on the other side. Some of them know it, some of them don't know it. Amen. But they've already crossed over through compromise. So the Bible talks about a great falling away will happen from the the faith, from the belief of Christ, from living for God, before the end comes. There will be a great falling away. And many people have seen it in the spirit as far back as in the 40s and 50s. And so we know that it happens through deception, through darkness, through compromise. You, You have friends who believe different than you, but you don't think there's anything wrong with them, so you continue to embrace them. That's how people get over on that side. They love the world and love self more than God. So prayer provides a way back to God when we stray. He has got to have people who will pray no matter what the situation calls for. 
Sometimes you have illness in your body. Sometimes you have problems. Sometimes you lack finances. You might lack a job. But you've got to continue to pray once God puts it on your heart. And you know how to pray. You can't quit. Amen. You can't quit. And you can't quit the call of God. Now we've had people to leave this ministry and still want to pray. And I tell them it's not the same thing. If that's true, why do we even meet corporately and pray? Why do we sit and listen to the word? Why do we encourage each other? Why do we help each other? It's not the same thing. And so that's the first step in compromise. I can, can whatever drives people away, it's always some stupid offense or some, disgusted with God, whatever. But they want to keep that prayer connection. I mean, you have to pry the prayer manual out of their fingers to get them to let go of it. Why? They know that prayer is a commitment. But you can't halfway commit. you got to be all the way in. You know, if you got at odds with your, your brothers and sisters in the Lord or your church where you came from, the ministry where you've been assigned to, whatever, you got odds, you got to get that straightened out. You can't let that just rule your life and say you're doing God's will all at the same time. It's not true. It's not true. It's never been true. It's 100% or not at all. And see, this is way, the way the enemy steals. He gets you to let go of things one item at a time. By declaring it not important, like you have a say-so about these things. So you pray and pray in the manner God set up for you. You pray the way God says to pray. And you get involved the way God says to get involved. Nothing more, nothing less. Amen. The other thing prayer, we that was number five, provides a way back to God when we stray. Second Chronicles 7.14, number six, it dispels fear from the earth. Prayer chases fear from the earth. The lead spirit in the kingdom of darkness is fear. That's why certain people, people don't like to be around certain people who pray. They just don't. Because that light of God is carried by his intercessors. Got me? That's part of your spiritual equipment. Amen? You know, people will say, well, I don't like Pastor Barb because she, she just too mean and she, she don't talk right. No, I don't talk like you. And I'm never going to. You understand me? Because I'm not here to win you over as a friend. We should be friends already. See, that should never be called into jeopardy based on your personal assessment of my faults and my weaknesses. Friendship should never be in jeopardy because that's not what we're friends based on. We're based, we're friends based on spiritual things. You got me? Those are fleshly things. Those are temporal things. If I can put up with yours, you can put up with mine. You understand what I'm saying? And so let's just be normal here, folks, okay? Let's not borrow trouble from the devil. Because you have no clue what it takes to do what God's called me to do. 
So cut me some slack. Amen. I cut you some slack. You cut me some slack. But my job is to help you, teach you, correct you, see to it that you get success in life. And it's not the other way around. People forget that. You know, I I thought when I was young and in, in the first church I was in, I thought, you know, the pastor was there just like everybody else was, you know. And God taught me that people stand in an office that demands respect. You understand me? If you're going to get along with God. So I had to learn some things and how to do them according to the will of God. That's true for everybody. We all have to learn that. And I learned. Amen. It was tough, but I learned. And so there are times when when the learning part of it will be made more challenging for you based on certain activities. But you learn it anyway. You hear me? You learn it anyway. But in the end of the day, we all have to respect and obey God. Amen. And his laws and his rules. So, um dispels fear from the earth philippians 4 6 tells us to be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and the peace of god which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds through christ jesus so we are peacemakers we're peace carriers. We're not to strive with people. In other words, I don't have to have the last word. I can just let you wrestle with God for the rest of the day until <laughs> you decide to be quiet and listen. You understand what I'm saying? I don't have to do that because I know my job is to be a person of peace. I'm not, you know, it's, it's not about striving all the time. It's not about winning an argument. It's about having peace with God. And, and we gotta understand that. You can't always get people to think like you want them to think or behave like you want them to behave or just, you understand what I'm saying? You wanna be a peaceful person. Well, you know, people, sometimes people don't wanna see you coming cause they know you're gonna always have something critical or negative to say. So you gotta tone yourself down. Amen? Don't insert yourself on top of people's discomfort and trouble. Allow yourself to go to God and and put your anxiety out there before heaven and let God deal with it and let him give you an answer of peace because he doesn't want his people nervous. It's bad enough the sinners are nervous. You know, they come to us for answers and for peace. And so I think if we'll continue to just provide that peace, just always go to God. And prayer is where you receive the peace of God. You not only receive the answer, but you get his peace as an assurance that that he's handling the situation, that it will come to pass as you asked him to bring it to pass. And the word of God will manifest in that situation. Amen. So prayer dispels fear from the earth. Amen. You can take authority over terrorism spirits. You can take it. Just look at the headway we've made in the Middle East already. There is no reason why so many of our, our troops had to be killed the way they were in those wars. No reason. 
You ask anybody who's been in the military, and they'll tell you because we were part of a global uh, military force, the rules of engagement were so weak that you could barely defend yourself if you were assaulted over there. No reason to put troops in harm's way like that. And you'll notice the last couple of years have been very, very few casualties. One here, one there, all that kind of stuff. And the Middle East is less, you know, volatile than it has been. So just keep paying attention to what what's uh, true in the earth, folks, because many people are perpetrating many lies. And so God is going to just wait till the dust settles before you make up your mind about what you think you believe. And always ask God to reveal truth to you. You don't have to take my word for anything. But but learn how to do some reading on your own. You know, don't be such a critic all the time. All that kind of stuff. Critical in your mind. So, prayer dispels fear from the earth. God tells us to be anxious for nothing. Because there's enough fear out there already. One of the things that I like about prayer is that it has a preciousness to God. In the book of Revelation chapter 5, we'll go to the first one. Revelation chapter 5. And verse 8 said, when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors or perfume. Golden vials full of perfume, which are the prayers of the saints. So your prayers and my prayers and the prayers of all believers are held in a vial, a golden vial in heaven. And they perfume the whole place. Now if that don't get you excited and happy, if that doesn't make you want to pray, think of all the things that you think might be important to God in heaven and when you think about it, it's prayer. Not somebody's CDs and books and preaching that they've done. But that's prayer. But prayer is what he saves. You know, I don't care how much you like somebody's revelation that they have. That's not precious to God. Not like prayer is. You understand what I'm saying? Um, when you understand what God honors and what he loves i think i i'm encouraged to do more of it i don't know about you but i sure am revelation 8 4 and 3 no at verse 2 i saw the seven angels which stood before god and to them were given seven trumpets and another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer Remember the golden vial. Same now it's in an incense burner. 
and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand and the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it to the earth and there were voices and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake so God takes our prayers and at the appointed time releases them into the earth and until them they're saved I mean our little half-baked I can't read these words I'm going to skip this one huh all I'm saying take it more seriously you understand what I'm saying I'm not saying it's got to be verbally perfect but the fact that you stumble over a word should not frustrate your heart at all because God hears that prayer and it's offered up with incense and released back for an appointed time. It says it was cast to the earth and there were voices, thunderings, lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth and the third part of the trees were burnt up. So there's our prayers of judgment and there are also prayers of mercy that the saints have prayed in obedience to the spirit of God. Saved up for an appointed time. So if you're worried when this is going to change and that's going to change, worry no more. Amen? Just worry no more. And know that as you pray, that prayer may be saved up for an appointed time. Because God is faithful. Amen? But your prayers are a sweet fragrance to God. He likes your prayers. He considers them precious. He saves them all up. They're never discarded. We get upset about the wrong thing. You know, it's like, well, just offer it up to God. Just pray in the Spirit. Say, God, I I can't figure out what this is about, but I'm going to offer it up anyway. Yeah, It's your word, and I'm going to continue to speak it, and I'm going continue, to continue to put my faith in it. Amen? Number, what is this, number eight? That was six, seven, should be eight. Is to make known to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. You can not only does God want you to pray for your little old self, me, my, I, my four, no more. Yes, more principalities and powers. Got to know what God says. Other than that, they'll just continue to do what they want to do. We're here to stop it, right? So that's Ephesians 3. I think it's 317, is it? Somebody who's familiar with the front of the prayer manual. Right. I remember when God had me change the name of the prayer manual. We called it Master Prayer Manual. He said, nah, he says, prayers that avail much more. He said, somebody's already got prayers that avail more. He said, yours avail much more. Amen.
Anybody find it yet? Ephesians 3.17 is it? Hello? Somebody look it up for me. Making known the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. No, I guess not. Well, it's Ephesians 3 something. Thank you very much. Cancel 17 and make that a zero. 310. Thank you. Says to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church. That's us. The manifold wisdom of God. According to the eternal purpose. So we're involved in eternal purpose when we address principalities and powers. When you bind Jezebel, Ahab and Pharaoh, you're not just saying a redundant trio prayer. You're making known to them the manifold wisdom of God. Amen. Back up, get off, lift up your heads, O ye gates, king of glory's coming through. Amen. And get up off these people. Get up off God's people. Get up off the sinners. Get up off everybody we tell you get up off of. That's the church's job. To make known to them what is not theirs. I don't care how bad you think people are. I don't care how much you think they don't want to change. You do it anyway. It's not for you to judge. When it's your turn to get out of trouble, you'll be glad somebody prayed that prayer for you anyway. Amen. Doesn't hurt you anything to address these things. What's it cost you? A few words. You'd be sitting up getting into trouble somewhere if you didn't have prayer to do. (laughs) Huh? Doing some nonsense like the rest of your crazy friends. Amen. It's just true. Okay, so a number, I think this is eight or is nine. Build us, building us up on a most holy faith. Amen. Amen. And that's in Jude. Let me see which one it is. Notice I just <laughs> 20. Jude 20. Okay. And this is specifically praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praying in tongues. There's no Holy Ghost, you know, baptism without tongues. You need the gift. You just need to go around saying you got the Holy Ghost, but you need the gift of tongues. has a specific function. But he says, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in the love of God. You stay filled with the Spirit. You keep yourself in the love of God. You start letting your mind wander Picking people apart, you get in trouble. So let's go back to <laughs> praying in tongues. Amen. 
The Bible talks about that. He says here in verse 16, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouths speak great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of an advantage. Now that describes 80% of the preachers you see on TV. Huh? They've got money. They've got influence and they use great swelling words. Got me? Boastful words. Well, I'm just uh, exalting God. Yeah, but you, you know, you seldom have an altar call. Seldom have signs. You know, you can count the ones on one, one hand that have manifestations of the power of God. And once that crowd gets so big, then it's too big to call people up to the altar, and that's where they lose it. See, they lose everything they worked. See, while you're small, it's easy to get an altar call and lay hands on people. Once you get a huge crowd, it gets harder and harder and harder. And so a a wise minister will find out how to get God's power to people even when the crowds get too big or get bigger and bigger. Benny Hinn did it. Catherine Kuhlman did it. Uh, Oral Roberts always did it. There's a way to do it. But when you see that they don't ever have an altar call, they write tons of books. As a bestseller list, all of that. They're in this zone here. You know, great swelling words. Having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. So they're admired by people not because of the results they're getting, but because of their prominence. Because they know them. They're on television. Their books line every bookshelf in the Christian bookstore, Walmart. Amazon, every place else you can think of, but there's no signs confirming that God is working with them. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourself in the love of God. Amen. Keep yourself in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So keep looking for the right thing. You're looking to go to heaven. You're looking for the mercy of God to fall upon your life. Keep praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep your prayer watch. Keep your prayer vigil over everything God's given you to pray about. And don't ever let go of it. Amen. Don't ever let go of it. So building yourselves up on your most holy faith. So praying keeps you built up in your most holy faith. That's the faith for miracles, faith to have your bills paid, faith for favor wherever you go, faith for everything you need. Most holy faith is the faith of the Son of God. And you'll receive everything that you need in life that you ever saw Jesus receive because of the faith that he had in the Father. Amen. Um. Number, what is it? Are we on nine or ten? Okay. Prayer causes us to be obedient as God's warriors, especially in intercession. Obedience as God's warriors, especially in intercession. That's Ephesians 6, 17, and 18. Huh? 
It starts out that little passage, I think, in 12. It says, put ye on the whole armor of God. And this is the last portion. Praying for all saints. Amen. Hang on, let me find it. Come back here. Somebody stole it. There you go. Ephesians 6, 17 and 18. Praise God. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So when you take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, you use it this way. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints so you pray you watch as well as pray amen it says prayer and watching so intercession adds prayer adds watching to prayer now what does that mean watching it means you you find out how your prayer is coming along Huh? Has it come to pass yet? What's the progress on it? What's God saying about it now? That's watching. See, there are people who pray and don't have a clue what's happening with that situation. They don't check. And what happens is pretty soon they give up on prayer. Well, it's not happened yet. I don't know. Well, we used to pray. I hear that so much from people. We used to pray about that all the time. I say, yeah, we still do. You got me? Who told you to quit? Huh? That's because they don't watch. When you watch, God will show you stuff. You're not watching in vain. You're watching with the Holy Spirit. So you're watching and praying because you have a vested interest in this prayer. Once you're invested in it, you got to watch to see what happens. Huh? We would have prayers come to pass and, and, and get a little word here, a little word there, something here, something there. Um, uh, you know, things that would come back to us. When we first started with the prayer manual, God would have us cut clippings out of the newspaper. Remember that? We all made a scrapbook until everybody got sick. And I found one girl had newspapers piled up in her basement up to the ceiling. She never clipped the clippings out. You understand what I'm saying? You know, I don't check up on people. I trust that they're doing what they committed to God to do. You know, I know better now, but you know what I'm saying. But um, some people just don't have it in them. You know what I'm saying? They go along with it in word, but in their heart, they never give themselves over to what God wants them to do. And so I just asked the Lord, I said, God, find us a better way because this way is not working. You know, I remember I did them. Pastor Shirley did them. Nola did them. We all took that on as a project, but as God added more things to us, we had to give it over to other people. You know, you think people are being faithful, and they're not. They're just, they like talking. Christians are funny like that. We like talking, but not doing. Sometimes the less people talk, you find the more that they do. Amen? Huh? Amen. All right, so that's Jude chapter 20. 
I mean, I'm sorry, we were in Ephesians 6, 17 and 18. Okay, so we did that. That was at number 10. So 11 is the last one. It means, it says, we keep our covenant of friendship with God. Prayer keeps your covenant of friendship with God. So a, a, apart from it being an assignment, apart from it being a, a, a mandate, uh, 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 you know, it's important to God, it's valuable to God, it's perfumed to God, all of those things. It also keeps your covenant of friendship with God. If you ever feel that you're estranged from God, you don't feel as much like praying as you want, used to, or you don't feel as much like you're in connection to God as you, you know, always go back and renew your covenant of friendship with God. Just, just, Ask God to forgive you for giving in to weirdness, listening to the devil or whatever you've been up to, <laughs> shenanigans. He'll forgive you. Amen. He's a forgiving God. He's a loving God. He wants to keep covenant with us. Amen. In fact, he's the one that keeps it. We don't keep so much sometimes. Amen. <laughs> so it keeps your covenant of friendship with God. God wants us to keep friends with him so much, he's given us a pattern for our prayer. And that's in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 2. We know it as the Lord's Prayer. Amen. I've seen people who claim they know so much try to strip this prayer of its significance. But it has stood the test of time because it's written in the word. You know, and they'll say, we don't do that anymore because we have this now and that. Jesus knew what he was talking about, I think. You know, you be careful of people that have new ideas. You know, always some, you know what, if this one's good enough for the Catholics, and they ain't word people, seriously, they got one legitimate prayer on that rosary. The rest of them is kind of made up prayers. One's to Mary. Amen. Well, they do have a doxology on there. The a glory be to the Father. And, you know, which one is them bees? I know the our Lord's Prayer is at one by itself. String of ten is Hail Mary's. See, this was, this is what, this is what their church turns out. See what I'm saying? The queen don't even know the rosary. What's up with that? What'd you do when you went to confession, Ms. Juana? Oh, Lord, we don't want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, did you have a little rosary or? Oh, my. No rosary. No wonder y'all didn't stay in there. You would have stayed halfway Catholic. Catholic, you had them little beads to hang on to. Lord have mercy. You ain't that young, Miss Juana. Come on now. Everybody know what a rosary is. Get real. Anywho, moving right along. I'll keep my rosary ideas to myself. Huh? But they even had a a praise on there. Huh? I ain't talking to her. Let me call. Let me call one of my Catholic friends. 
But I'm telling you, that little word that they allow their people to pray, it has an effect. Because it's the word of God. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, That sometimes can cause a person to have mercy in their life. Have some grace in their life. Because it starts out with worship. Undressing the Father who's in heaven. So Allah can't pick up this prayer. Buddha can't pick up this prayer. Nobody else can pick up this prayer. And it calls for his kingdom to come. You ever wonder how sometimes when people get a miracle healing? Looking at a weeping statue? Clinging to the rosary and praying to our father? Seriously? You don't think God honors his word? Honors his word above his name. Forgive us our sins. That's a big one. See, what happens is uh, uh, charismatic and spirit-filled people think they don't have to ask forgiveness anymore. You know what I'm saying? Calling it some kind of grace teaching. Uh, that's no grace that comes from God. You hear me? You get backed up in your forgiveness. You, you'll know it real quick because you don't get much. God says if you don't forgive others, he won't forgive you. Amen. It's one thing that, that your, your release from God is contingent upon. You gotta give that to others before he will give it to you. So don't be stingy in confessing your faults. Don't be stingy in asking God's forgiveness. Don't be stingy. Amen. Because he'll be stingy with you. Be generous. Humble yourself. Confess your faults. Tell God, I'm so sick of saying I did the same thing over and over again. I make myself sick. Please help me. You got me? And keep saying it. (laughs) Amen. It's a prayer of deliverance. Everything you need is in that prayer. Mel Gibson had a, a severe depression. Alcoholism. He, and he said that he, he's Catholic. And he said that he felt led to meditate on the last, uh, as, you know, the last, in the Gospels, the last days of Christ. Amen. And he said he began to meditate on the fact that Jesus was beaten for his sins. And he said after he came out of that period of meditation, he said he was totally free. Huh? The word is medicine? He got his medicine from the word. He's just beginning to meditate on that fact and make that real to him. When it got real to him, he was free. And he decided to make a movie about it. He said that's why, he said people have criticized him for that movie. Too graphic. Jesus wasn't about pain. He said they don't, you don't know what he's about because you don't know him. Uh, you got to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Amen. As much as we fellowship with that, we don't get too deep in it, you know. But um, he said he made the movie and the parts that were criticized the most heavily are the ones that he benefited from the most. So he knew he had to continue with it and make it. Amen. See, prayer, this is why we pray, folks. We pray for people to to receive truth. For people not to go to hell, not to stay deceived by the devil, to come out of darkness into light. God wants everybody in the light. And so these things we need to keep close to our hearts. 
why you pray. You should know why you pray. And, and study why you pray. And ask God to make it more real to you. Just, just always keep you encouraged to pray. No matter if you don't get what you want out of life. You gotta pray. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you gotta recognize, man, I've been dealing with this for so long. Well, you know, if this is as good as it gets, God, I'm saved. I'm in my right mind. I have a decent job. You provide it so I can take care of myself. My children are in order. If they're not, they own their way. You understand what I'm saying? You gotta understand what's important down here. Cause when you get to heaven, you won't remember what you didn't get down here. Well, some of you need, if that's news to you, you better write it down. You understand me? So in view of eternity, what's missing now ain't important. Because you'll have it all when you get there and you won't even remember how upset you were with God because you didn't have your stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Let's get real here, folks. Let's really, really get real. God's looking for committed people. He's looking for humble people. And looking for people that love him. Amen. Like he loves us. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for goodness, mercy, greatness that comes with your word. Lord, we love you and we honor you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God.